0: All right, thank you, man. We'll be back in the book of Ephesians tonight, uh, Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four is what we'll be once again uh, this evening, and we look forward to what God has for us uh, in His Word tonight, and looking uh, for some help in pleasing Him and serving Him. And I hope that you, uh, if you are in the service this morning, I hope that you pay close attention to the message Uh, the Bible just, God just lays out. Uh, the steps for us to take to please Him. And tonight, uh, I, I think we'll tie right into that as we look at the first uh, uh, verse of chapter number 4. And I'm going to read verse number 1 down to verse number 3, and uh, we'll take our, uh, our, our message from these three verses tonight. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 1. Are you awake tonight? And uh, we look forward to what God has for us. Verse number 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Remember, this is Paul uh, writing uh, to the church in Ephesus, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to draw your attention to verse number one, and I want you to see after, uh, the second phrase there. He beseech you that ye walk worthy. Tonight, I want to challenge us to walk worthy. Worthy. That uh, word walk is not just talking about walking from point A to point B, but our manner of life. And we ought to walk worthy, and uh, we're going to see what the Bible says about that this evening. Father, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in church once again. Thank you for what you've already done today and how uh, you've already worked. May we never take for granted uh, when souls get saved and people grow in the Lord. May we grow tonight. Uh, may we allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at verse number one, verse number one is one of those verses that uh, I think if we uh, reference uh, many times, it's going to help us. If we ponder verse number one, if we meditate on it, let's look at it again. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. There's a few words there I want us to see in verse number one before I get to the outline this evening. I want you to notice the word beseech. Beseech is not a word that's just casual. Oh, if you if you feel like it, uh, or if you have time, uh, if you for example, there are times when, when, when I'll get a text or somebody will see me and say, Pastor, whenever you have time, let's get together. And then there'll be correspondence that says, Pastor, I've got to see you today. And that's different. Uh there, it's different. We we in relationships with and by the way, if you do that, if you say whenever, it may be it may be two years from now, so you might have to put a, put a, put a, put a time limit on that and say, uh, can I see you this year sometime? But uh, uh, we, we, we beseech, that word means beg. This is something that Paul places urgency on. Are you with me tonight? Amen. There's urgency in what he's going to say. A lot of times when we approach the Scripture, we let the Scripture speak to, uh, speak to us, we'll see something, we'll say, oh, yeah, that's true. Or, oh, yeah, I should be doing that oh, yeah, the Spirit convicted me on that. But we don't put any urgency on it. But you have to put urgency on what the Scripture says. And Paul is putting some urgency. He says, I beseech you, I beg you. Don't notice the word vocation. That is not an occupation. Paul is not writing to preachers. He's writing to Christians. Vocation there is talking about our salvation, wherewith we are called, that our position in Christ, that our position that comes from salvation. So this is an urgent request or an urgent uh, command, if you will, to every child of God. How many of you are saved tonight on your way to heaven? Okay, then God's talking to you and God's talking to me. The scripture here applies to all of us. And we're going to get, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but sometimes we say, well, there's certain things that the pastor, the way he ought to live, and I'm not going to disagree with that, but then we live way down here, but no, there's there's as a child of God, because of our salvation in Him. So that's what that word vocation means. Notice the walk, that ye walk worthy. That walk is our manner of life, the way we live. I talked about that some this morning, the way we conduct ourselves, our everyday life our interaction with people on a normal basis, the usual, if you will. This is our walk. Notice he says you don't just walk, but walk worthy. Worthy of what? Worthy of our vocation. What's our vocation? Salvation. What he's saying is may your way of life measure up, be one that reflects the value of your salvation. May your walk be worthy of the fact that, that when Jesus saved you, there's a walk that says, man of life, that says, my salvation is worth something. I must walk worthy. Now, bear in mind, you cannot walk worthy to earn your salvation. There are good people who will, good people as the world would call them, will die and go to hell. Because you cannot earn your salvation. You can't walk worthy of that price that God paid. You can't. But because we value our position in Christ, we value our salvation, I'm going to walk in a way that reflects the value that I put on my salvation. If you're saved tonight, you know what that means? That means you're not going to hell. If you put a price tag on that, you'd do everything you can to meet that price. You could take all the wealth of this world and you couldn't come up with with, with the, the value you couldn't pay for the blood of Christ. But you can't be bought, but there's value in it. How much is forgiveness of your sins? How much is it worth for you to lay your head on your pillow at night? And even though you know you're a sinner, you know you've failed God, that it's all under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as God looks at you, He sees the record of His Son. How, how, how much value is the peace that comes with salvation? What is the value of heaven? You know, when we have a loved one who's saved and goes on before us, I mean, we would, pay, we would take all the wealth of the world to pay to, to be with them again. Well, that's, that's what salvation brings. How much value to be with our Savior. How much value for this old broken down body to, 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 to be, be perfect one day. The value that comes with being a child of God. What Paul is saying, he's saying, may our walk reflect... Salvation. May we walk worthy of the price that has paid. One thing that bothers me about the the, the direction of our nation is that it it does not value the blood that was shed so we could have the freedoms that we have. There's not value. It's, It's a dishonoring of the sacrifice. It's a dishonoring of the lives that were given. It's a dishonoring of the price that was paid, so that we might have freedom. So, oh, it's just a little protest, or oh, it's just a—we have the freedom to do whatever. Oh, with that free, yeah, you—you're in the United States of America. You're free to do whatever you want to do, and I'm thankful we have that freedom. You're free to do that, but because I value. The, the price that was paid so I can have that freedom, I'm not burning the flag. I'm not trampling the Constitution. I'm not, why? Because there's value in the sacrifice that was made. How much more so is there value in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? How much more so is our salvation? I want to live in a way that is worthy of that. Too many Christians, and I just barely touched on it this morning, or look at the Bible as what lets me find the loophole. What does pastor expect of me? Why don't we just walk worthy of the price that's been paid for our salvation? Why don't we just live in a way that says, I'm just thankful that, that, that Jesus loved me enough and was obedient to the cross and shed his blood and endured that suffering and, and, and took my sins upon him. and Well, I could never pay that. How much value is that? Well, let's put all of eternity on that. Right. And I want to walk in a way, I want to live in a way that reflects that I believe there's value in my salvation. I, I believe my salvation is worth something. So I want my life to reflect that. Our motivation ought to be is as as Americans, I'll use that same illustration. We ought to live as an American reflecting the price that was paid, giving value to the price that was paid so that we can have the freedoms we have. But Christian, we ought to walk worthy of our vocation, our salvation. May our life measure up to one that reflects the value of that salvation. Boy, every day, every day we got to approach today. May I live in a way today that I walk worthy. When trials come, may I walk worthy. When difficulties come, may I walk worthy. When you stumble and fall, you get up and say, I want to walk worthy. I want to reflect that there is value in my salvation because I'm saved, I want to live in such a way. Now, if we do that, verse 2 and 3, we get some insight on what that will reflect, what that will uh, help, what will help us do that. Now, notice in verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness, in order to walk worthy, it requires humility, requires humility, with all lowliness and meekness. You know why some Christians don't walk worthy? It's because they think they deserve salvation. Or we become so far removed from when Christ saved us, we think the value is in us, and it's in Christ. We think God's lucky to have me in His army. God's fortunate to have me. And by the way, we get puffed up and, and we, we, get, we get some conflict here and there. That's really what it is, is pride. Right. We're not walking worthy with humility. Right. It requires humility of heart and spirit with lowliness and meekness. You know how low do you have to be for Jesus to come save you? Well, as low as all of us are. We, 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 we're nothing without Christ. Now, we're every, we have everything because of him. But we ought to approach our walk with lowliness and meekness. One of the most dangerous places a Christian can be is when they get to the place where they don't need anybody, anything, anyone. It's frustrating sometimes the pastor says, hey, let me, let me, let me help or You want to help? And it's like, Pastor, I got it. Or, I don't need your help. I don't need your insight. I don't need your... Counsel. Well, how about some lowliness and meekness? I don't need the Word of God. Or I, don't, I don't need church like those other Christians do. Well, I think we're getting too full of ourselves. Part of lowliness and meekness is also living in a way realizing that we can stumble and fall. We can make mistakes. We can fail. If a relationship strained, we possibly could be the fault of that or contributed to that, that requires humility. Number two, notice, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. You know, you can be humble one day and proud the next. You can be serving with lowliness and meekness, walking, worthy of your vocation. And as long as nobody messes it up, you've got the right spirit, You've got the right attitude, but encounter the wrong person. They just rub me the wrong way. Well, okay. How about some long suffering and that lowliness and meekness? I I don't understand why they they think they're who they, they, they they're what they are. Why they they think so much of themselves, or or why why, why people uh, why they serve in that capacity? If if people really knew. Well, it's probably true of you too. If people really knew what was going through your mind, that would that would. Where's the lowliness and meekness, friend? I, I'm just I'm just thankful that God. I'm thankful God saved me. I'm thankful that God would use me in any capacity. And if I get one more day to praise His name, and one more day to speak His name, and one more day to tell somebody else about Him, boy, I just praise God for that. And boy, he, he allowed me to serve Him today. I guess I'll get up tomorrow and try to do it again. But we get full of ourselves, or we're doing just fine, and we have the right spirit. Everybody can approach life and their walk with God with lowliness and, and meekness for one day. But can we start? Can we string days together? Can we string Sundays together? We need a little bit of long suffering in our walk. Well, I, I had the right spirit, but somebody offended me. That is not their fault. It's your fault if you get offended. I know we don't like to hear that. Now, now, if you're the kind of person that when I say this, like, oh, good, pastor just gave me permission to just run around and offend everybody. That's, that's kind of taken out of context what I'm saying. The point I'm making. The point I'm making is if we keep the proper perspective of who we are and what we really are and what Christ has done for us, it doesn't matter what somebody says. Oh, you hurt me? Okay, I'm getting over it. I deserve much worse than that. I, 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 I'm much worse than that. That long-suffering, I want to approach it. I want to walk worthy of the salvation, the price that was paid. So there's got to be some commitment. I preached on that this morning of how it's time for some Christians to embrace that new man. This is the way I live as a Christian now. This is the way I live as a child of God. These are things I do now. Well, I don't always like it. I'm committing to embrace it. Same is true with the commitment of the way we walk and deciding to be committed. Number three. This is important. Notice he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. To walk worthy, it requires building one another. Boy, well, this, this is missing in many Christian relationships. This is missing in many churches. I don't know if that's true of ours, but we ought to, to walk worthy, we must build one another. I'm thankful for the church because of what it does for me. You would, have to be dishon- you would be dishonest to say that being a part of this church has not helped you. It has not benefited you. You'd be dishonest if you said being a part of this congregation... Has not helped you as a Christian. Has not encouraged you. uh, Has has not helped you grow. You'd be dishonest. By the way, I bring this up and I make this point here. Don't let your frustration. Don't let you being disgruntled. Don't let your spirit was not what it be. uh, Lose sight of the fact of what this church has done for you. What what God's people do for you. But we should be in the... I say I'm thankful for what the church... As the pastor, this church helps me. This, this church, it helps me when I come and see, see you there. It helps me when I see who's not here sometimes. But I mean, it, 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 it helps me. You know, does it encourage you when, when, I, when, when I see you and I say I'm praying for you? Does that encourage you? You think it might encourage the pastor if you, if you did the same? It sure does. We encourage one another. But they're preaching sometimes. I mean, I get blessed by my own preaching sometimes. It's the Word of God. It helps me. This church helps you. Some, I have, there have been times in my life when I've come to church and said, God, i got to have something today. I need help today. My, spirit, my batteries are low. The tank is empty. This burden is heavy. And isn't it wonderful when you just walk in and you feel the Spirit of God's people? You start singing those songs, and you become indetermined to be depressed, and we become indetermined to be sad, and become indetermined to be, be, be angry. And before you know it, you find yourself starting to put a little smile on your face. and says, oh, yeah, the burden's heavy. It helps me. But we ought to come to church with a mindset of who can I help in the church? Who can I be an encouragement to? Who can I build up? Uh, we sometimes go around and say, well, I want them to know. We should, my, my, my ministry is to help people know that they shouldn't esteem themselves higher than another. Well, that's not a call that God puts on you. And I think the Holy Spirit does a pretty good job of that. We got to build one another. How do we build one another? We pray for one another. Pray for one another. Well, so and so they just—I just that interaction with them, and and I just—I just didn't feel comfortable. Go pray for them. Pray for them. What what, what's their problem? I got to figure out what their problem is. You don't need to know what their problem is. Oh, go look in the mirror. Anyway, I don't know. Don't know. You don't need to know what their problem is. But what you should do is you gotta go pray for them. God knows what their problem is. That's building each other. You can build somebody up with your words. Who can I... When when people encounter us and they leave us, they ought to have been helped, enriched, encouraged when they enter our presence and leave our presence. When life goes by and... We get towards the end of our life or a long relationship with somebody, we ought to be able to look back and say, Man, my life was better off because I knew so and so. They encouraged me, they helped me. I mean, don't you want people to think that of you? We ought to build one another. You can build people up just with a kind word, you can build people up with just encouragement, you can build people up with prayer. Uh, you, you, you encourage one another, you build one another. Well, I, I can't let them get too full. No, it's not our job to keep people humble. The Spirit of God does that. we got to build people up. Come to church with a mindset, yeah, you're going to get something. If you want something, you will get something when you come to the house of God. If you ever leave and you say, well, I just didn't get anything, that's, that's not my fault. If the Word of God is preached, you can have something if you want something. But I think we also ought to approach the house of God with a mindset, with the attitude what am I contributing? How am I building up one another? How can I help somebody else? If you hear of a need, if you hear of a way to help, pitch it and help. Let's build up one another. Then, number four, notice verse number three coming off of humility, off of that commitment, off of Building up one another, forbearing one another. How are we, how are we, build? I need mean, to make this point before I move to number four. How do we build one another? It's like, it's a give and a take. That's what it is. Some days I'm strong, you're weak, and so you use my strength in your weakness. There's going to be other times it's the other way. It's giving one another. There has to be forgiveness in that. That building up, forbearing one another. Then we see number four. Look at me in verse number three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you know how a church keeps the Spirit... It doesn't just happen. There's work. That's what that word "endeavor" means. It means working, very simply, working to keep. You know why some churches don't have a good spirit? They're not working to keep it. We have a good spirit because we work to keep it. I work to keep the spirit of unity in the church. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about unity. Sometimes we think unity means we all think the same. That's not what unity is. We do not all think the same. Right. Right. Unity is having the common goal, the common purpose, gathered around the common thing. We go out, Paul goes on to write about it, the one body, the one spirit, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, the one God and Father of all. We have unity around that. We don't all have to think the same. We don't even all have the, same, have the same necessarily commitment towards those things, but we all must be committed to it. That's how we keep the unity. And so uh, the, the, number four is the keeper of unity. I work hard at keeping the unity of the church. What does that mean? It's the same thing as one accord. You, 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 well, I've, got this, I've, got, I've got this great idea, it may be a great idea, but does it fit in with our one accord? Right. To keep the unity. Well, Pastor, I, I just don't think I have to, you don't have to think that way, but we have one Lord, one baptism, one faith. Right. Yeah. And we have to keep the unity. But let me also say, it's not just the pastor's responsibility to be a keeper of unity. Right. Now bear in mind, there's urgency, I beseech you. This is how you show that your life is worthy of the salvation that God gave you. This is one way you show that your salvation has value to it. And what Christ did for you, there's value to it, is that you are a keeper of unity among the brethren. We all must work to keep the unity. You know what you're to be when you come to the Emmanuel Baptist Church? You're to be a keeper of unity. That's why we have one book. We have one doctrine. We have one Lord. That is what we believe. Say, so what if somebody doesn't believe that? They need to get on board with, with what we believe because we're not changing what we believe. There's a misnomer of unity. We all have to get along. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we all have to get along. But it does say we need to keep the unity. I'm less I'm less concerned with if everybody thinks the same, acts the same. I'm more concerned with do we have unity in spite of the fact that we don't think the same, we don't always act the same. We have to keep unity. You've got to be the keeper of unity. So How do we do that? Sometimes you have to forgive when somebody, when they don't even know they've offended you. You have to be forbearing, building up. You have to be long suffering in your humility, but you must be a keeper of the unity. If this church is going to continue to go forward, you've got to be a keeper of the unity. Well, Pastor, I just disagree with you. It's okay. You can disagree. You can disagree, but keep the unity. Well, 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 Pastor, I, 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 I don't. I think we'll be doing something. That's okay. I don't. If you think different, that's fine. But keep the unity. We must keep the unity around the main things. If, if, if you thought we should have had different colored chairs, that's okay. But let's keep the unity about what's important. Well, Pastor, I think we should. Let's keep the unity about what's important we lose friendships and we lose fellowship with God's people over things that we should not separate. And yet on the flip side of that, things that we should separate over, we don't want to separate. I'll separate over one faith. I'll separate over one Lord. I'll separate over one baptism. I'll separate over that. I'm not interested in separating from you or anybody else because of a difference of opinion. Right. 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 Well, I just, the just, pastor just didn't care about my opinion. Please accept this with the grace and the love that is intended. I care about your opinion. But sometimes I don't care about your opinion. What I mean by that, not that it's not important, but it's not important when it comes to unity around one faith. Pastor, you've got to see eye to eye of me. Okay, I don't care. But let's keep the unity around what's the most important thing. Everybody here doesn't have the same person. We have a, a good-sized staff in all of our ministries. Those who work on staff, you've got to work to keep the unity. I have people on my staff that do not have my winning personality. <laughs> they have a different personality than me. What do we have to do? We have to keep the unity. You you, you congregate in little clans in here. Did you know that? You, you all love everybody in here, right? But the people on this side are not going to sit with the people on this side. Yeah, yeah. You all find each other. You all have the same quirks. You're all weird in the same way. (laughs) Pastor, I just just don't know if I can. They're weird. You know what? They're saying the same thing about you. (laughs) Because the only people that we're normal to is us. That's That's just the way it is. So how do we continue to get along as a church? How do we continue to walk worthy? It is a shameful thing. It's a shameful thing for a Christian to accept the salvation that Christ paid the price for and to go live an unholy, wicked life. But friend, it's a shameful thing for a Christian to accept the payment that Christ paid for their sins And to be in strife with other Christians. You and I can disagree, but we must always come to what does the Bible say? Well, pastor, that's your opinion. If it's my opinion, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to take it. But if it's God's opinion, it doesn't matter what our opinion is. And it's a shameful thing. It's a poor testimony. We're not, okay, man could not, man was at odds with God. Man in his sin had, has offended God, can have no relationship with God. Jesus provided the means to get to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know this. He reconciled man and God through his shed blood. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm not walking worthy of the price that was paid for my salvation if I'm looking for a way to be offended by a brother, if I'm looking for a way to offend a brother. We must have, I must be a keeper of unity. That's why we must diagnose and we must accept what is that unity around. The unity is not around a certain philosophy. Unity. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist, you could say. I believe in tradition. But that, that, that unity is built around the tradition that's built around doctrine. If somebody has a different tradition, they interpret as long as it's around doctrine. That's what I'm holding to. That's what is important. There's a lot of times, and we have a great spirit here, but I want to walk worthy of the price that's been paid. It's easy for our pride to get hurt, isn't it? It's like, well, deep down, I really want. want, I don't like this tension. Maybe there's somebody. I don't know. I mean, I had not been around, so I don't know if somebody's mad at somebody else. Ah, there's some tension there, and I don't like it, but if they'll come to me, why don't you go to them? And sometimes, it could probably just be let go. Because it's not even that important. There are some you're still offended by something somebody said in 1979. And I'm just not serving because, you know, back in 1979, this was, as silly as that sounds, it's not far off in a lot 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 of situations. Let's be a keeper of unity. Now, I'm not saying that we don't divide over the things that we should divide over. There are some things. That's not what this message is about tonight. But it's about keeping the unity among God's people. This is a Baptist church. We keep our unity around the fact this is a Baptist church. Say, so well, what are the, what are the, what are the charismatic? I'm not, I don't care what they're doing. They're, they need to get saved just like everybody else needs to get saved. I'm interested in us as a Baptist church. We have one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We keep our unity around that. The doctrine we have, this is what we believe. We're not Calvinist. Uh, we're, we're not emergent. We're not contemporary. Well, that's just a style. Read my book, Perilous Times Have Come. It's not a style. It's a doctrine. It's a philosophy. It's a religion. Well, well you, you, no, I'm just saying what we are. I pastor the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I don't pastor the church down the road. So it's my responsibility, not my responsibility to keep unity in that church, it's my responsibility to keep unity in this church. And this is who we are. This is what we are. This is the philosophy we have. This is the way we do things. So what should we do? Keep the unity of that? So, Pastor, I just don't think I want to be a part of that. That's fine. If there's something you don't want to be a part of, nobody's going to make you. But sometimes a lack of participation is a refusal To have unity. i just let that hang there for a minute. I I feel how that went over. Why? Because we want to unify over that which is important. I'm not, and this is why, and I I think, and and it's not that I'm not interested in what goes on in our country. It's It's not that I'm not interested in politics because I enjoy all of that. I am interested in it. But I've been very strong with some political, non-political statements over the last few years. I'm going to continue to do so. because I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen with, with men I know, in good men. If we're not careful, we can unify around the wrong thing. You know, well, I think this, I think it's, I think it's Trump. I think it's DeSantis. I think it's this. It's somebody in the corner. I think it's Joe Biden. Well, whatever. <laughs> We're going to be unified around this. This is our unity. It's not that, I, that, it's not that those things aren't important, but there's some areas that we ought to allow grace with one another. And I've made this point to some of my, my preacher friends. It's like if somebody gets saved, they got the Spirit of God in them. I just think if I, if I pastor them and I preach to them and allow them to grow, something tells me the Spirit of God is going to tell them how to vote. Now, there's an issue that needs to be addressed, I'll address it, but the Holy Spirit's a pretty good preacher. There's a lot of churches, that I don't want this to happen to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. There's a lot of churches that they are torn apart, not from without, but from within. We have the promise in Scripture that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. As the church advances, the gates of hell are no match. What about, what about oppressive governments? They're no match. Are there prices for us to pay? There may be. Are there persecutions? I'm not minimizing all of those things. But they can't stop the church. Because we're unified around the same thing. The only way that a church can be hurt is from the inside. Even when there's trouble. If you you have trouble in your home, if life brings you trouble to your home, if there's heartache, there's tragedy, there's difficulty, there's disappointment, there's things that you, as a family, that you have to deal with, this is the best way to help you navigate through that. Find that which you can unify around. And that's the Bible, that's truth, and stay unified around that. As a church, what are we to do? We're to stay unified around the same things. And we give a little bit of grace about different things. We laugh and we joke about the football and the sports and all of that. That's grace. We give grace to one another in the fact that not everybody sees it as they should see it. Are you with me tonight? But there are some way, there's some things that there are there are parents in here that feel very strongly this is what I want my that you ought to have some some conviction about that. But this is the way, it's the way my grandmother did it, this is the way I, my mother did it. But you don't you don't look down your nose at somebody who's like just dirt won't kill them. Uh, that that's not what we're unifying over. We're going to unify over this book. So let's all be keepers of unity. I read it, and I'm not going to take the time, but if we continue reading as part of our text this morning, Paul warns not to to walk as those other Gentiles, meaning those that were unsaved. So we shouldn't walk that way because we're unified around what Christ did for us. Are you walking worthy? or maybe I should conclude the service, why don't we determine to walk worthy? Jesus shed His blood. He suffered. We talk much about the shed blood, and we should. You can't talk too much about the shed blood of Christ. Many times I don't think we acknowledge the suffering that Christ endured for our salvation. You put that in perspective to things that we squabble over, things that we get puffed up about. What Christ did for us—that's what Paul's saying. Paul 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 said, "Do what you want to do, think the way you want to think, but when it comes down to it, we need to walk in a way." that shows a reflection that I think my salvation has value. So I'm going to conduct myself a certain way. I'm not going to get puffed up in myself. I'm going to walk worthy of the vocation, walk worthy of my salvation. Friend, you can never make too many sacrifices for your salvation. Well, every time I turn around, it just seems like I'm just the, the Bible and, and, and God and, and pastor just asking me to sacrifice more and more and give more and more of myself. The Spirit of God is never going to stop asking you to give more and more of yourself. Until the day you go home to glory, the Spirit of God is never going to stop asking you to give more of yourself. But in light of the fact that Jesus paid, his, paid, paid, our, paid our sin debt, that's walking worthy. Oh, the Christian life is so hard, not in light of my salvation. You know, I, we, we live in a day, and I'm, I'm applying this to our local church. But as, as a pastor, as, I, I, don't, I have no desire to have any prominence in this world. I intend to fulfill the responsibility I have as a pastor of this church, but as church people, you shouldn't be seeking prominence. If God gives you a position to, to serve and to influence, you ought, you ought to take that very... What is our goal then? It's just to walk worthy. When we get to heaven, and I know I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but, but just, just, to, just to remind us, when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter how many people follow us on social media. How impressed people were of us or how, what titles we have behind our name or who even knew the contribution we made. I catch wind of things. I, I don't insert myself into much, but it does not mean I'm not paying attention. It does not mean I don't hear things from time to time. From time to time, I, I hear, well, if people just knew what I did around here. Maybe you ought to rephrase that. Look what I get to do around here. Well, I wish I could do... Look at what I get to do. There's something wrong with your pastor if I'm just like, man, these people, they knew what I did. If they knew the garbage I had to put up with. Oh, there comes sister so-and-so again i to talk to me about the same, and I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not really being, I'm not testifying. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we just said, I'm just serving, and as long as he knows what I'm doing, and that I'm doing it for him. You know, if we're going to keep unity, there's going to have to be sacrifices that can be made. I'll say this, and I'll close. I'm the pastor of this church, and I don't always get my way. I'm the pastor of this church, and there's times when there's a decision brought to me and say, and I'm not talking about doctrine, I'm not talking about, say, you know, I'll, I'll give into that, I'll, I'll give my, I don't always get my way, but it's not about me. It's about keeping unity around the main things. Say, so, Pastor, what are you talking about? If I got my way... We wouldn't be the Bree and Christian Academy of Hurricanes. We'd be the Bree Bulldogs. I mean, if I if I had if I had my if I had if I had my way. Matter of fact, I want to call a business meeting tonight and uh, all <laughs> things we make that are important really aren't that important. But when it's all said and done, the Emmanuel Baptist Church is in glory with our Lord. May it be said we had we're of one mind, we have unity. How's that gonna happen? Some of you think you're important, but you're not important, but you're really a keeper of unity so that we can be of one accord to go out and to give the gospel. Just some practical but great truths of us walking worthy of our salvation. Am I walking worthy? Am I using my days to show him that I'm, I put value on that salvation? Don't we admonish us as Americans to, hey, we, be thankful for the price that was paid live in a way well, why are you doing doing these things nobody in society cares anymore but i put value on the price that was paid so i could have this freedom how much more so should we as a child of god say I, i'm gonna walk in a way that shows that i value the salvation i have i esteem it highly father use